Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Thank you for joining us either on KLTT or on podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Adoption Now on iTunes because you'll get a new story every single week and you don't want to miss out on that. So I just have to tell you about our Adoption Now journey. This last weekend, we just had this amazing thing happen. I was at an adoption event and I got a call from our lawyer in Florida, Christine Thurman, and she said, April, I have a hospital drop. Oh my gosh. If you don't know what a hospital drop is, or it could be called stork drop, it means that the baby is born, the mother has decided not to parent, but there is no match. So there are no adoptive parents located or matched before the baby's kind of just sitting there in the hospital waiting for parents to come and get him. It's really in the adoption world, the most exciting time because really you get the call and you have to jump in your car, jump on a plane and get to the hospital and you just have this baby born. And so she calls me and she says, I have this little boy. The mother just gave birth and she's a soccer player and she did not know she was pregnant which is crazy because she is super in shape. So it wasn't like she wasn't in shape and, you know, maybe she's just wearing frumpy clothes anyways. I mean, she was an athlete. She kept going to the doctor. They gave her eight pregnancy tests, eight, and they all came back negative. And she was just beside herself. She knew something was wrong. So the doctor was like, well, we think it's something else. We're going to give you some other tests. And she went into labor She delivered the child. She was in shock. And of course she said, I'm not prepared for this. And so when Christine showed up, she's like, I'll find you parents. Here's a couple books. She looks through and she picks one of our families that we had referred from adoption now, but Christine couldn't get a hold of her. So she's like, I'm trying to get a hold of this adoptive mother and father, and they're not picking up their phone. And I literally have to go to another family because the mom is getting discharged. So April, can you help me? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this family, if we don't get a hold of them, they are going to be so disappointed. I mean, one hour you don't answer your phone when you're waiting could be that hour that you're matched to a child. So we're calling, calling, and Christine says, you have about five minutes before I have to call the other family. Finally, I get a hold of the family's friend. The family's friend jumps in her car, is driving around the town, looking for this family, connects with them. They jump in their car from North Carolina, drive to Florida, and they walk in and get their healthy baby boy. And I'm telling you, that's been our first placement. I was so happy. Well, first I was a wreck, but then I was so happy. I mean, it's so exciting to be part of that. And even though I wasn't picking up my baby, I was just as happy for this family and they are first time parents. And so even more exciting for them. So we just are very excited. We congratulate them. They will be on the show with Christine Thurman and they're going to tell us everything that happened. So pretty exciting weekend. So we're just excited about what Adoption Now is doing. We're just involved in adoption and the whole triad. We want to learn different aspects. We want to be a part of people's stories. And we're excited that we continue to get families who are applying to be on the show from all different states. And so when I got this message from Annie, I was very excited. She's from Virginia. She is an adoptee. She was adopted as an infant. 
She recently launched a Facebook Live video reaching over 70,000 views to find her birth family. Annie now loves to empower and inspire other women. Annie, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me on. I'm still a little choked up from that story. What an amazing, I just can't even believe it. I'm just choking back the tears here already. Can you believe? I know. I I just, you have to think even about your own adoption. The way that your parents must have felt the moment they saw you. I mean, for an adoptive parent, it's just unbelievable that you're matched to this child. And just going there, just it also gives me chills, but must be a little bit different for you because you're that little baby. Right, and that's what has me almost not able to speak right now because, you know, just knowing what it's like to be that little baby is so overwhelming. You know, just so many emotions. Let's start with the beginning of your story. Where were you adopted from? Greenville, Pennsylvania. So I was born in Greenville, Pennsylvania, and this is this is all I knew my whole life. And I lived in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour, a little over an hour from Greenville. And all I knew my whole entire life is that I was adopted and I was born in Greenville, that's what my handwritten birth certificate said, and that I had Italian blood in me, and that's, that's all I knew, and that my mother was young, my birth mother was young, I didn't know anything else. So talk to me about your parents, your adoptive parents, but your parents. How long were they waiting? My adoptive parents waited 11 years, 11 years to have a baby. Wow. They tried for 11 years, and they, they actually... I'm not sure how long they waited for me. I'm actually not sure how long they were in the adoption process. You were their first adoption? Actually, I I wasn't. They adopted a baby right before me, a little boy, and they had him for about three weeks, and the birth mother wanted him back. So my parents had to give him back. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine what that was like for my parents. Right. But um, it just is all the more... Um, yes, makes you all the more special. And that's because I was supposed to be with them. You know, they, I was their match. They were for me. That's an interesting point that you say, because we say that on the other end, you know, we don't want to keep a baby that's not ours. My husband and I have gone mm-hmm. through several fall throughs and it's heartbreaking as an adoptive parent it's just really difficult. And I know that we have a lot of birth mothers on the show telling their story and when they want to parent and they miss that child and they change their mind, I mean, that is their Mm -hmm. story. But for us on this side, it is heartbreaking. And your point is you want the child that's meant to be with you. And so it's exactly true, but it doesn't make it any easier when you have that child for a couple weeks or a couple months and they don't stay with you. So I bet they were just heartbroken and then found out about you. Yes, they they got the call for me, and it was a blizzard, like one of the worst Januarys ever in Western Pennsylvania history, and um, they brought me home, and, you know, it was the happiest day of their life. My mother described it as happier than her wedding day, you know, just being Mm -hmm. able to bring her baby girl home. That is so amazing. And so were you the only one for a long time? For three years, and then... They adopted my brother. So what was it like to be raised in an adoptive family? Well, the only one that had an issue with it was me. My parents are the most loving, generous, kind people 
and their hearts are so open with love and joy, and they loved me, uh, and they still do. They love me so much, and I was upset from the second I remember being told that I was adopted because I wasn't from them. So for so many years, I struggled with not being from my parents. I always felt embarrassed by it. I felt like I didn't belong. I pushed them away. I pushed away the rest of my family. You know, I acted out and had like behavior problems in high school and things like that. And I, I was in complete denial that it was because of the, you know, issues that I had around being adopted. I don't remember my parents ever telling me that I was adopted. They, they told me when, when I was so little that I've just always known. I don't remember the conversation, but I, I can just assume that it was a little bit traumatic for me, but I know that I was at a, I was a super young age because I, I always knew that I was adopted. It was just something that my family is a, you know, Roman Catholic Italians, and I just wanted to be part of the group. And everybody else, of course, did everything to make me feel like I was part of the group, but I just always felt removed and different and embarrassed by the fact that I wasn't from my parents. You had said that you were Italian, though. Did you look like them? A little bit. A little bit like my mother, and I have dark brown eyes like my father. But everybody in our town, everybody in my parents' town knew that I was adopted. I mean, my father is a politician. They're very private people, but they knew, you know, my father and mother's friends from from back when we were adopted, they all knew that they were going through the adoption process. So it was common knowledge, like in our neighborhood and everything, but just for new people that I met and like the kids in school and Nobody treated me different, but it was just something inside that I felt. Did kids in your class ask you questions? They did. They did. Once kids in my class, like in grade school, understood that I was adopted, they started asking questions, and I didn't want to talk about it, or I would cry, or I would brush it off, or I would hide it, or I would lie. I remember a couple times lying and saying, no, I wasn't adopted, and that, that didn't feel good. Do you think if your parents could go back, they would have gotten you counseling or changed anything? Oh, they did. Oh, they did? They did get me counseling, yes. But I was in high school, and I was just so against talking about it. And I actually, like, blamed the psychologist for having the audacity to think that, you know, I was drinking alcohol and sneaking out of my parents' house because... I was adopted or because of issues that I had about my adoption. And looking back on it, so many choices that I made, um, you know, were results of the fact that I hadn't dealt with this and that I, I just, I didn't feel accepted even though I was accepted. So it was me, you know, my parents did all they could, talked with me about it. We talked with other people and professionals and it was just something that I had to come to a point in my life where it was something that I accepted and that I was proud of and that I could, I could share my story. And it doesn't happen for many years. When would you say that that started to turn? Probably in my thirties. I'm 42. So it was probably in my thirties when I was like, you know, I think I'm all right with this being adopted thing. (laughs) When I started to see my friends having babies 
And I also started to see a lot of my friends trying to start a family, and they weren't able to, for whatever reason, getting pregnant was hard. And I remember one in particular, they were trying to start their family, and they were having trouble. And I wanted to talk about being adopted and that, you know, adoption is a beautiful thing, but I couldn't. The words, like, wouldn't come out of my mouth. I still carried so much shame. This was in my 20s. I still carried so much shame about it, you know. And then a few years later, I'm like, oh, I, I really should have had that conversation back then. So it was in my it was in my mid-30s where I started to really accept it and start talking about it. I wonder if... Because we hear stories a lot, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, but a lot of times parents adopted children and brought them into their world where there were no other adopted children, maybe a brother, but no one else in the community. And now adoption is so big that we have adoption play dates and we have groups and we're always talking about it and our kids are used to that word. And so it's so normal. Oh, are you adopted? And if the kid says, no, my kids are like, weird. You know, it's like flipped around because we're always together with other families. And so because you were kind of segregated away, do you think that had something to do with it? Absolutely. And oh my goodness, I have never thought of it like that. There were no other adopted kids in my community except one. And she was like the older cousin to our very good family friends in our neighborhood. And she, I remember, I I was so inspired by her and she spoke openly about how she was adopted and she wrote an article for our local newspaper about it and I remember being both inspired and kind of appalled I'm like how could she talk about it like that because I always felt that if I talked about it it would shame my family or would embarrass my family because they were so private but they like I said, just always encouraged me to do whatever I felt was right with it, you know, whatever I felt in my heart to do. But I was really the only, I think, the only kid in my class, for sure, of 30-some kids. And, you know, growing up in grade school, I was the only adopted child. So that was hard, hard and different. It's true. When I'm listening to your story, you know, I'm always trying to relate and think about things in my own life how I can see it from your eyes. And the thing that comes to mind is I was raised in a single family. And when I say that now, people are like, oh, no big deal. Well, good thing you had a mom. And it's true. Good thing I had a mom and an awesome grandma. But at the time, I was the only one. I was Mm -hmm. the only one that didn't have a father. I was the only one. And so that was my story of embarrassment, right? Where people would say, oh, where's your dad? And then it would be like, (gasps) and I'm sure you probably felt that way when people were like, oh, you're adopted. And you're like, oh no. Oh, great. Here we go. And you don't want to talk about it and you kind of backpedal away. And so then you try to create a life totally away from that. Do you think you did that in your early twenties? Definitely. Yes, definitely. Oh, I'm going to have to journal about this because I have not even thought about it that way. So my gosh, thanks for bringing that up. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a part of your story and, you know, we got to the other side and we're going to get there after our break where you had questions and you really dug deep to find those answers. I think sometimes people just get stuck in the shame of their story, whatever it is, because we talk about adoption here, but everybody has kind of something where they kind of tug it in their back pocket and feel like, oh, I really wish people did not know that about me. 
And then there are those that dig deeper for the answers and then they mm -hmm. own it and then it becomes their platform. And it's a mm -hmm. lot of work to get there. Trust me, it's a lot of pain. And it sounds like you're there on the other side. What happened in your 30s where you went, I have to find my birth family? The desire to become a mother myself. When I met my husband, when I was 35 back in 2010, I knew he was the one. I knew that he was the one that we were going to start a family and, you know, we were going to start a life together. And it was my husband that really encouraged me and said, Annie, you know, you have got to find her. You've got to find her and tell her thank you. And that's all I wanted to do. You know, I just wanted to thank her for giving birth to me and let her know that I have a beautiful life and I'm so loved and she did the right thing. You know, I, I just couldn't imagine what she had gone through for so many years, you know, just did I do the right thing and what would, it, would have happened and, you know, all of those what ifs and what it must have been like for her. So as my husband and I were preparing to start our family and talking about, you know, the, the type of birth that we wanted, the type of pregnancy that we wanted, just everything that we were going to do with our family, I just felt so much closer and closer to my birth mother. And even though she chose not to parent me, what it must have been like to carry me in her belly, you know, in her body mm -hmm. for all of those months, knowing that she wasn't going to keep me. I just really admired her strength and her love for me. And so what did you do? Well, nothing <laughs> for a while. I didn't do anything for a while, for years. And then my husband deployed in January and um, my birthday's in January. And it was the night before my birthday, and I'm laying in bed nursing my baby. I have two girls, and I was laying in bed nursing my little girl. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put it out there on Facebook. I'm going to put it out there. I've seen other people do it. You know, I've seen other people put it out there on Facebook. Why not me? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, am I mentally ready for this? Am I prepared? I'm like, you know what? I can't get any more ready. I'm just going to do it, and I'm just going to see what happens. So once she fell asleep, I went into my office and I got my kids Crayola crayons and I wrote a sign and it said, I was born today, 42 years ago in Greenville, Pennsylvania, and I was given up for adoption. Can you help me find my birth mother so I can thank her for this beautiful life? I decided I was going to go live on Facebook in the morning and hold up the sign and ask for help in finding my birth mother. Oh my goodness. I, Did you I, even sleep? <laughs> I, I called my husband or I texted him because it was the middle of the night where he was. And I'm like, this is what I'm going to do in the morning. And then I also messaged my success partner and I messaged her and I told her that this was what I, what I was going to do. So if I didn't do it, that she needed to get in touch with me and tell me to do it. She's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. So I did sleep. I was so sure that this was the right thing to do that I went to sleep peacefully and I woke up. And I got my girls ready for church. I put on my makeup. I put on purple because that's a good color on me. And I did my Facebook Live video. It was like a minute, a minute and a half long. And then I just shut it down, shut down my electronics. And I got in the car and the girls and I went to church and I just prayed about it. And I will also add that I hadn't been to church in years, years. And I'm like, 
this is the time. And it was my birthday, and I just asked for help in finding my birth mother, something that was new for me to even talk about. And I just put it out there to the universe and to God, and I'm like, whatever happens, this is how it was meant to be. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We have to take a break. Stay tuned as we finish this story, Annie's story. She's just sent out her live Facebook message trying to find her birth family. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670kltt.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Are you enjoying the program today, but wonder how you can hear more stories about the joys and challenges of adoption? Good news. Adoption Now is available on podcasts through iTunes and Google Play. Just search Adoption Now and subscribe. We download a new show weekly, allowing you access to every story we've shared. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's story as we get back to the host of the show, April Fallon. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We want to hear your story. Do you have an adoption story? Please email me at april at adoption-now.com. This show is dedicated to giving adoption a voice. Don't be afraid to speak out. Together, we can inspire others. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have Annie Pagaro on. She's telling her story about being adopted as a baby, growing up and feeling different than everyone. And now in her 40s, has decided on her birthday to send out this live Facebook message to the world to find her birth family. She sends it out. She goes to church. You're also back in church, so that's kind of exciting, too, how it kind of went hand in hand. Yes, for sure. I mean, just sitting there and knowing that I just did this Facebook Live video, and who knows what's going to happen, and there was a lot of tears. I mean, I'm sitting there with my friend, and the pastor was, like, speaking to me. I mean, it was all about love, and it was all about finding your truth, and I felt like he was speaking to me. This is so cool. It happens a lot where you need something and all of a sudden the message is perfect for you. It kind of carries you through. So church is over and then what? Church is over and I look at my phone and basically it had blown up and I had already had a message from my biological uncle. Oh my goodness. He said, Annie, this is David. I think you are my sister's daughter. We need to talk. And I, I, I'm like, what? This seriously just happened. So I was, I was so excited. I got my, my girls, I got them in their car seats. I get in the front seat, I put my headset on, and I'm like, I'm just going to call him right now. So I, I called him. He had left his phone number. So I called him right away, and, um, and he's like, are you driving? I'm like, yeah, but I got my headset in. It's okay. It's good to go. And he's like, no. He said, you need to talk when you're not driving about Marie. Why don't you call me when you get home? And it was right then that I knew that she had died. Oh, no. I knew she died. And um, I said, okay, all right. I'll call you when I get home. So um, I drove the 30-some minutes home, 
And I got my girls set up with a snack and this little show. And I told my husband, who was deployed, um, and I call my biological uncle right now. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my goodness, okay. So we talked on a video chat that I was able to record because it, it turns out that my, my mother, my biological mother, has, um, she was one of 10 children. So it's a very large family. And he also told me that I have 26 first cousins. And um, we all look alike. (laughs) So um, during our conversation, my husband was able to call in. So the three of us were able to talk for about an hour just about my, my birth mother and the circumstances surrounding her death and um, just about the family and about her pregnancy. We talked for over an hour and it was, it was like a dream, like a, like a dream come true. I still, as I tell it, I'm like, did this seriously happen? Is this my life? And the feeling, even after getting off of the, the video call with him, I immediately felt whole. I immediately felt complete and whole and authentic and like the shame was washed away and um I'm just sad that she's not here and I can't hug her and thank her myself so they all knew about you yes so tell us the story what happened so um my my birth mother Marie and father, David, they were very young. She was 15 when she got pregnant with me and 16 when she gave birth to me. And um, David was a year older. And, you know, they were high school sweethearts. They were high school sweethearts. Like I said before, she was one of 10 children. They lived in a very small house in Greenville. And when, when she became pregnant, her mother and father told her, okay, here's what you can do. You can have the baby, and the baby and you and David will all move in here to our house, and you'll marry him. Or you give the baby up for adoption. And um, she wanted her life, you know. I don't blame her at all. I'm just... I had so much love for her and so much gratitude for birthing me and giving me life. I know it was so hard for her. So she labored at home. I've had several conversations with my biological family. They're absolutely beautiful people. It's a giant family, well-known in the community. And after my Facebook Live video, the outpouring of messages and love and joy that I was found, I mean, I just can't even begin to describe and, and the number of messages and uh, just so much love from the community and from my biological family. Wow. It's like all um, of this love was just waiting for you. It was. It was. And I had blocked it. I built like these walls around my heart and around my life and secluded myself in so many ways. And just this, by doing this and by doing it so publicly has been such a blessing in so many ways because so many adoptees and birth mothers 
and adoptive parents that have gotten in touch with me since my video that have, have said how much my video had inspired them and moved them and just made them think of their own story has been something that I just didn't expect. So she had all these siblings. They all knew about you. Did they talk about how she did after she placed? We did. After she gave me up for adoption, she got really sick in the hospital. There was some type of infection, and she was really sick, but they didn't keep her in the hospital for very long to tend to this infection that she had. She came home and then was really sick at home for a while. And her younger sister, who shared a room with her, remembers just holding her in their bed, snuggling and crying, and that um, they had expected her to come home with a baby. And they were actually excited. Some of the other siblings were excited and talking about, like, where the baby was going to go. And then when, when she came home with no baby, they were a little bit surprised, but supported her and just did, they didn't really understand. You know, some of them were, were younger. It really does affect the whole family. Yes, it really did. It really, really did. So after um, she gave birth to me, she finished school. I think she was tutored. And then um, I think when she turned 18, she moved to Pittsburgh with her older sister. And she was working as a a dental hygienist. She went to school. And um, she moved away. So a lot of the, the younger children kind of lost touch with her and a lot of the people in town kind of you know recognized that it was a challenging time for the family and that Marie had had moved away after it happened. Did she have other children? She never did. She never did. She married and she didn't marry my, my birth father, but she married a great man and they tried for years to have children and her siblings told me that because of whatever the infection was, the sickness that she had or infection when she gave birth to me, that she was never able to have other children. Oh, no. That's one thing is you don't think about the birth mother after, her after story. This show has changed me a lot, just thinking about that and even helping this family this weekend. And they were asking me questions. They were about to meet the birth mother. And I said, remember, she's going to go home and have to clean up from this shocking Mm -hmm. thing that has just happened to her. This is her story now. And it all came upon her at once. And to think about them going home with a happy baby and her going home Mm -hmm. to clean up after this shocking loss, it was overwhelming for me to think about all the players in this situation, the triad, as we talk about. And thinking about your mother and having this child that she gave birth to, you, and then never able to have children again. I mean, that's just such a story. It is. And, and also knowing, because that, that has also been my question for all of these years, you know, on my birthday. I'm like, is she thinking of me? Well, of course, of course. she was. But I didn't, I just didn't know the capacity. I mean, I just, and after having my own children and going through labor and delivery and the bond, you know, immediately when, she, when they were born and just knowing that she never had that, that she gave me up right away, that she never held me. I just can't even imagine what it was like for her. And, and my birth father too. I mean, here he is, you know, this, this loving guy who adores 
my mother, even though they were young. I mean, he mm-hmm. adored her. And um, he also moved away. He lived in Arizona. And he married, and he had two sons, so I have two half-brothers. But I know that on my 16th birthday, they spoke for the first time in years. They were on the phone for hours, and there were lots of tears, and they were wondering, you know, if they had done the right thing and what happened to me. And, you know, you can just imagine two people that had a baby and reconnected after so many years. Um, but my um, biological aunt shared this, that story with me, as did my um, my biological father's ex-wife, and they were both very willing and open and happy to, to share these details with me, which I'm so grateful for. When did your birth mother pass away? My birth mother, Marie, passed away in 1991. She was killed in a car accident. She was preparing for a trip out west, and um, she was in her car going to pick up her check, and she... Um, you know, was distracted or whatever and didn't see the stop sign and, and was hit um, and killed right away. That was in 1991 when I was 16 years old, the same age that she was when she gave birth to me. Wow. So, you know, finding that out, um, I have always been kind of obsessed with car accidents. I've always been, like, overly afraid that I was going to be in this car accident or my husband or my parents or my brother or something like that. And it all makes sense now. You know, it it all makes sense. And recently, I just went to a family picnic of my my biological family, and they gave me um, a black onyx ring that my my birth father gave to my birth mother um, when she was pregnant with me and that she wore for many years, um, and she was wearing when she died. So they gave that to me, and something that I I just, it's so hard to wrap my head around. When I was in high school, I had this kind of like fixation on black onyx. I'm like, I have to have a black onyx ring. I have to have black onyx. I don't know why, but I love black onyx so much. And, you know, some might say it's a coincidence, but I know that it's a it's a connection. It's the connection that I have with her and that I'll always, always have with my birth mother. It's just a beautiful connection to her soul. Absolutely. That's amazing. The connections are amazing when you find your biological family. We hear that time and time again. What about your parents, your adoptive parents? How did they feel during your whole process? Last year on my birthday, I told my mother that I was going to start talking more about being adopted. And um, she said, okay, okay, that sounds good. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. And um, I told my whole family and they're like, okay, you know, whatever you want to do, we support you. But I didn't tell them (laughs) that I was going to go live on Facebook and do it. I think that they were concerned that... um, I may be bringing up a time in my birth mother's life that was very challenging for her, and they really respected, you know, her right to privacy, and they were worried that me just showing up might be so hurtful for her. So they really thought that I should go, like, through the court and go, like, the court route to find her. 
But I didn't feel that that was the right thing for me. I didn't want to involve the court. And then after having friends who are birth mothers that gave their children up for adoption and then adoptive parents, friends, um, and having these conversations, they're like, she wants to find you. And I'm like, yeah, but they're like, she wants to find you. So I'm like, all right, this is my story. This is her story. I'm just going to do what feels right for me. So that's why I did it that way on Facebook. Now that you connected, how do they feel? Relieved, I think. It was a week after I went live on Facebook. It was on um, January 29th, which is my adoptive mother's birthday. We were invited to a family picnic, my biological family's family. Well, it was actually their family Christmas party. So we went and we met the whole family. It was <laughs> scary at first you know, expectations and, you know, worry about being accepted and, and all of that. But my parents were like, we're definitely going with you and we support you. So um, it was a beautiful day. We went to church, which was right across the street from, from where my birth mother's family grew up and the house that they lived in was right there across the street from the church. And also the cemetery where she's buried is right across the street from the church. So, um, during church, the service, I, I met my biological uncle, David, who I spoke with on, on video chat, and his wife. And, um, you know, after the service, well, during the service, it was so, so amazing. The, the priest recognized our family and told our story and talked about the Beatitudes and love and gratitude. I mean, it, it, was, it was surreal. It was so amazing. And then they sang Happy Birthday to my mother, my adopted mother, Diane, because it was her birthday. I mean, it was just so warm and welcoming, and I couldn't have asked or couldn't have prayed for a better homecoming and a better reuniting. I mean, it was, it was remarkable. And then after church, we all gathered, and it was, it was like a wedding. <laughs> Everybody's hugging and, and kissing, and they were like, oh, I'm your aunt such and such, or I'm your distant cousin. I mean, it was like the whole town <laughs> related. And then the emotion shifted when we all got in the car and, and drove up the hill to where she and my biological grandmother are, are buried, her mother and my biological grandmother. And there was a bunch of snow on the ground, and I got out of the car, and... Um, the bagpipes started playing Amazing Grace. And I look, and um, one of my my cousins, her um, husband, was playing Amazing Grace. It was um, the most beautiful experience. So I just I just knelt down, and and I was able to finally thank her. Wow, that's so brave. I think other people who hear this story are going to be very encouraged to then look for their birth family. I really hope that, that my story will encourage other people to find their adoptive family. I was so opposed to it for so many years because I was afraid of hurting my adoptive parents. But they're not hurt. The, our family has just grown. The acceptance and the beauty and the love that has come into our life is something that I just... It's hard to even put into words. It was just so unexpected. And I, I really hope that my story will encourage others. It sure will. 
Annie, tell us what you do now. Now, aside of living wholeheartedly and authentic and like finally feeling like the real Annie Peguero, I'm a personal trainer and fitness nutrition specialist. And I offer my custom training and services through Team Beach Body programs. I help women live confident and sexy, and I help them find strength and struggle. And this whole experience has just transformed what I do into so much more than helping people lose weight and gain muscle and feel awesome. It is really helping you find your authentic self and just on a journey to really live wholeheartedly and authentic and just bringing your true self to the surface. And that's, that's what I do now. And you can find me on my website at www.anniepeguero.com, A-N-N-I-E-P-E-G-U-E-R-O.com, and also on Facebook. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. This has been so awesome. Thank you so much, April. You're welcome. And thank you for tuning in to Adoption Now. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.